just real quick review. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now, not here to preach on circumcision or uncircumcision tonight, but we know that that was part of um, the uh, Old Covenant. And, um, and, of course, we know that that's been done away with in the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, it's the mark that God places upon a person's heart, okay, as opposed to their body. But what he's emphasizing here in the New Covenant is the importance of faith. Faith which worketh by love. Now, what we understand, of course, is that faith receives what grace has already given. Faith receives what grace has already given. If someone were to come to the altar tonight to be born again, to receive salvation, somebody tell me, what would Jesus have to do in order for that man or woman to be born again? It's not a trick question. He would not have to do anything because he has already become the one sacrifice for all time for all sin. He's already paid for every sin that will ever be committed on planet earth. That's the grace and the goodness of God. So if someone were to come forward to be born again tonight, they would access by faith what God's grace has already provided, what God's grace has already made available uh, for that uh, individual. Okay, So that's a very important thing for us to understand that um, you know, the Bible says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? And, but he goes on to say that God is revealing those things to us by his spirit and that we've received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who's from God so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something for us or give something to us that he's already done for us, that he's already given to us. He's waiting for us to access that and to receive that by faith. Remember, the Bible says the same way that you receive salvation is the same way that you receive everything else. You know, walk in, um, you know, the things that God has for you. Uh, the, the, the way you receive salvation becomes the pattern or the template for you to follow in receiving all these other things. Now, we see this phrase, faith which worketh by love, and that's a really important phrase because the word worketh there is the word in the Greek, energio. We get our English word, anybody want to guess? It's pretty, pretty simple, right? Energy. Um, but energio is talking about um, that which fuels or energizes. So if we understand worketh means that which fuels or energizes, and the implied subject is love, he's saying that love on your part is that which fuels or energizes your faith. Now, the Bible says God's given to every person the measure of faith. So you have the spiritual substance of faith on board in your heart. And that faith is awakened and aroused by what? By hearing the anointed word of God. It brings the, the faith that God's given you already in your heart. It brings it up to the surface. It starts to stir and, and, and awaken it and arouse it. Okay, But then the Bible says that if we don't have a corresponding action with that faith, faith without any corresponding action, right? remains dormant so let's go back to that simple example of someone being born again they hear the good news of jesus being a sacrifice for their sins um, something in their heart is stirred by that faith rises up in them to call upon the name of the lord and to and to be saved but there's still something they must do right there's still an action step 
that that person must take in order, you know, act on the faith, amen, to receive the gift, the grace, um, the gift of salvation that grace has already provided, okay? Am I going, am I going too fast or too slow for you? Is this, are you, are you good? Is this making sense? A lot of this is review, but I know not everybody has, has been here for these things, and so I want to make sure that, that we all uh, wind up on uh, the same page, okay? So, if love is to your faith what gasoline is to your car, what if, um, you know, it's not faith that we're struggling in, but it's in our ability to, to love and, and, to, and to walk in the love that Father God uh, would have for us to walk in. This is why we see um, Jesus teaching us on the subject of faith, but he always brought it back around to some element of love. Um, one of the greatest lessons on faith ever taught is in Mark, the 11th chapter. Jesus ended that lesson uh, with instructions to forgive. Okay? You think, well, what, is, what does forgiveness have to do with faith? Well, forgiveness has everything to do with faith because it has everything to do with walking in love. See, if, 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 if we're harboring unforgiveness in our heart against another person, this means that we have passed judgment against that other, that other person and, and we're holding something against them or we're holding uh, something over them, so to speak. And so that's the opposite of mercy. Um, but mercy, you know, is when we extend forgiveness to people uh, because God instructs us to do that. Uh, and, and this, of course, is what, uh, you know, as, as we've been using examples over the last few weeks, it, it, it increases the octane of the love that fuels the faith in your heart. So we've kind of come to this conclusion. Your faith will never be more productive than the love that energizes it. Your faith will never be more productive than the love that energizes it. And so in Matthew 5, again, this is review. I don't apologize for it. I'm just, you know, reminding you, amen, of some things as we get into tonight's uh, verses. In Matthew 5, Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to pray for those that that um, spitefully use us to bless those that curse us to if, if somebody you know takes a coat from us you know, give them our sweater um, turn the other cheek you know all of those uh, verses that really are are laying out what would be considered by us I guess extreme acts of mercy but in telling us to do this he he says two key things Matthew 5 and 45 he says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So let's get something you know, really straight and settled, okay? Does Father only love people who love Him? And the answer to that question is no. Um, he, he loves people who love Him and He loves people who don't. He loves people who worship Him and He loves people who wave the middle finger of their life in His face. He shows kindness to people who... Um, you know, give him place and room in their lives, and he shows kindness to people who don't. Let me let me let me ask you, and this is a loaded question, okay? When when Father God asks you and me to love our enemies, does he love his? <laughs> when I say it's a loaded question, not a trick question. A loaded question means there's more to the answer than just a simple yes. The answer is yes, God does love his enemies. And let me remind you, according to Romans 5 and other places in the Word of God, that we were all God's enemies before we came to Him. Well, amen. Looks like you maybe need a verse or two on that one. Let me, let me skip down here and find those right quick. Amen. Are you okay? Everybody good? 
Praise God. Let's look at this. All right. I think sometimes we forget that we were God's enemies before Jesus died for us. Look at this in Romans 5, beginning at verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the godly. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man. How about this, verse 9? Much more than having now been justified by His blood, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what that word justified means. Let me give you some good news, okay? Your entire life, your Heavenly Father's wanted to treat you like your sin never happened. And that's what the blood of Jesus affords Him that luxury. It does away with your sin and with mine. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, there it is, If when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, reconciled means to be restored back into a close relationship with, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, past tense, we have now received the reconciliation. So notice that we were all God's enemies when Jesus died for us. When the Bible says God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see as, the, as those verses go forward that Jesus didn't come to a world to condemn the world. The world that He came to was already condemned and He came to provide a means of escape. He came to provide a way out from under that condemnation for us. So do you see when God instructs, when Father instructs us through Jesus to, um, to love our enemies, this is... This is in other words, this is nothing that he doesn't do himself. He, he does this himself. And when he says in Matthew 5 and 45 that if you do this, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, he's, he's literally saying that you would have his same disposition. Not that you've got to do this to be born again. That's, completely, that's a complete misunderstanding of this. Um, think a chip off the old block, you know. When, when a son uh, does something that reminds everybody of his father, they say, well, you know, he has a chip off the old block. You know, fruit, do- how about this one? The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. You ever heard that one, right? Okay. And that don't have to be negative things, by the way. Right? <laughs> that, that can be uh, positive things as well uh, that we can follow in our earthly father's footsteps. So when he says that you may be sons of your father in heaven, he says that you would have his same kind of disposition. In other words, that you would love like he loves. That you would love like he loves. And then he closes this uh, portion of the teaching out in verse 48. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Because what he's saying here is that we've got to do more than just love people who love us. We've got to do more than just greet people who greet us. Or show kindness to people who we are certain will show kindness back to us. Or help somebody that you know, we file either mentally or sometimes people even say after we help them, you owe me now. See, th- th- we call that love and maybe it is some low-level version of love, but this is not the way Father loves. Amen. And by the way, the faith that He's given you is His faith. It's the God kind of faith. And so if, if it's going to um, be, you know, if it's the God kind of faith and it's energized by love, what kind of love do you think it's going to need? Somebody shout it out, right? It's going to take the God kind of love. 
to energize the God kind of faith. Are you seeing this? It's going to take the God kind of love to energize the God kind of faith. Now, let's go to this word perfect here. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. This word perfect doesn't mean what you think it means, okay? Um, We hear perfect and we think without flaw. Here, this word perfect means well-rounded, something that's complete, something that's fully developed, something that's mature, okay? Now, um, I want you to, and and I've tried to come up with some different ways to really drive this point home, and I'm going to try two on you, okay? Um, If if someone was to say, man, she is a well-rounded student, you ever heard that expression? She's a well-rounded student. Well, think about what comes to mind if someone is a well-rounded student. Does this mean they make A's in math and D's in every other subject? No. See, a well-rounded student is a student that does well in um, all of the subjects. But let me ask you this. Would would we consider someone to be a well-rounded student who would be like a bookworm but never play in the band or never sing in the choir or never play on the basketball team. See, no, a well-rounded student is going to be a student who excels in all the subjects but then also participates in other activities, uh, would maybe be like in a service organization, an honor society, um, uh, some type of, of, of club that... Uh, you know, reaches out to other people. You, you know, in other words, when we talk about a well-rounded student, you know, we're talking about someone that um, is effective in multiple aspects of what it means to, to, to be a student um, in, in a school. Yes? Are you saying we're talking about well-rounded? Okay. So here would be another one um, for our sports fans out there. Um, and, and really, in our day and age, um, you know, in athletics, uh, athletes really specialize uh, in, in a certain um, position on a team. Um, but, you know, there was, there was a time, uh, and I remember this in the early days of, of my childhood, there, there was a time when a football player would play offense and defense. There was a time when uh, a baseball player um, would play the outfield and then come in and pitch. So when we talk about like let's just let's just settle on one a, a, a baseball. If, if we say like this person is a well-rounded baseball player, the old terminology it may still be is that they say he's a utility player. What does that mean? It means he can be utilized in a lot of different positions in a lot of different places. He can play third base. He can play shortstop, um, second if you needed him to. Maybe could pitch in a, in, a, in a pinch. He could pitch right. You know, uh, play the outfield. So, again, notice now we're talking about well-rounded as opposed to somebody who can pitch and thank God he's in the American League and don't have to swing a bat. Right? Because see, that's kind of what baseball's become now. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, this guy can pitch, but, you know, he just kind of stands up there with a bat on his shoulder, you know, and takes the strikeout. You know, he's not even interested in trying to hit. Matter of fact, he's standing back far enough that he don't get hit with a pitch, you know, so he can't come back out there and pitch the next inning. That would not be a well-rounded player. A well-rounded player is going to be somebody who, you know, is, is good. Maybe not like Cy Young winner at, at pitching, but this is somebody that can do it all good, not just, you know, certain areas excel at. I was thinking about some, and I won't start calling names, but you, 
I'm trying to think. I don't want to say the wrong name, but remember the guy. I mean, he could he could have hit the ball out of the park, but you know they had him on the team for that. But you know when he would uh, you know play out there, what was it left field? You know what was the time? Remember he was going to catch the ball and it hit him in the head and bounced over the fence. You know, in other words, obviously, thank God he could hit. You know because it wasn't much good at at, at some of those other things. Um, well, we wouldn't say that he's a well-rounded player. He's an outstanding um, slugger. You know. But not so much uh, his field. He's not going to win any gold gloves. He might win a, a home run title, but he's not going to win any gold gloves. All right. So I'm trying to help you understand. We talk about well-rounded because when he, when he talks about um, you know being perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect as it relates to our expression of love to people. Okay. Um, someone who is well-rounded in their loving of other people. You know, if, if this person just specializes in loving family members, for example, you know, there are some folks, they, they love their family, but they don't got the time of day for anybody that's not blood kin to them. You know, well, that's not somebody who's well-rounded. You follow what I'm saying? If, if, if someone, let's go back to some of the parameters that Jesus gave us. If we only speak to people who speak to us, if we only love people who love us, if we only do for people because we expect them to do in return for us, Again, that may be love, but this isn't perfected love. This, this isn't well-rounded love. In other words, there's, there's obvious areas when it comes to their expression of love to people that is lacking or missing. They're coming up short in certain areas. Am I boring you? Are you, are you understanding what, I'm, what, what we're trying to say here tonight? So the God kind of faith is going to take the God kind of love. And the God kind of love doesn't just love people who, you know, God doesn't just love people who love him. He loves his enemies. And so when he's saying to you and me to, to, to love your enemies, this is one aspect of this whole teaching that I, I really haven't delved into too far, and I'm probably not going to. I don't know. The Lord will lead us. But, but you know, we talk a lot about trusting God, learning to trust God on Sundays. But this is a classic example. In other words, if you're going to love like this, you're going to have to trust God. Are you, are you following me? You're, you're going to have to trust God. I'm going <laughs> to... I've been struggling with this, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I don't have a slide for it. That shows you how much I struggle. I almost chickened out on it. Um, but, and this is one of those areas where, you know, sometimes, and the Lord's helping me with this, but this is kind of one of those areas where sometimes I feel like I've got to defend him. And, and, you know, it's like some of the things that God says about sexuality and some of the things that God says about disciplining and, and, and raising children and training children. You know, that seems in our day and age, there's, you know, they're saying this is outdated and, and it's wrong and God needs to catch up with the times and all this other stuff. And sometimes if you're not careful, as, as God's representatives, you almost feel like you've got to defend him or apologize or somehow give explanation for. Listen, please don't. Don't, okay? He's God. He's a big boy. And I mean no disrespect by that. And his words are the words of life. No matter what changes in the world around us, God's always right. Let, it, let God be true and every man a liar, but God's, God's ways are right. God's ways are right, okay? And so this is one of those verses that I almost feel like I need to try to put some kind of addendum to it or some kind of disclaimer on it or whatever. But, but this is the Bible. This is as much the Bible as, as um, you know, 23rd Psalm. Listen to, to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is talking about things that are happening inside the church that, that needs to be corrected. And he was talking about people within the church who are having arguments with one another. Um, you know, let's, let's say, you know, the guy that sets three rows in front of us um, is a plumber 
And, you know, so we got him to come do some plumbing work for us. And, um, and the pipes are still leaking, and, and we've already paid him. And, um, and we're about to haul him into court. I mean, we, we, we are filing suit against him. So there's these kinds of things that were going on, except for they weren't bringing it before the church to settle the dispute. They were taking it outside the church to secular courts. And they were suing one another in worldly courts. And the Apostle Paul said, this is absolutely unacceptable. As a matter of fact, verse 7, he said it's an utter failure. Wow, that's, I mean, that's strong, right? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, who loves the Bible? Let's see if you love this part. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you um, that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? What? Are you kidding me? Let yourself be cheated? This is America, dude. See, that's strong, isn't it? What's Paul saying? He's saying there's more at stake here than you getting your $75 deposit back from the plumber that sets three rows in front of you. You're causing discord and disharmony among the brethren. You're allowing the enemy to get a toehold in this, and he's bringing division. And, that, and listen, discord among the brethren, if you've read your Bible carefully, this is one of the things that God hates. Strong word, but that's what it says. He's saying, listen, there, there, there's, there's more going. Now, listen, I'm, I said I wasn't going to make any disclaimers on this, but this is, this is back to trusting God, okay? You see, if you trust God, then you're always going to have enough coats and sweaters. If, if, if you trust God, pray for your brother. Maybe he's got more work on his plumbing schedule than, than he needs. Maybe he's a plumber getting started and, and he thought he could fix your job and he can't. Maybe he's an, I don't, again, I, I don't know all of this, but, but what he's saying is, listen, you, you know, you're so determined that you're going to get even and you're going to get right and you're going to square this thing up and you, you know, and he's like, hey, have you ever just thought about just letting it go? And, and just trusting God and praying for your brother instead of hauling him into some secular court and having him put in prison by the Roman Empire and selling his kids to pay his debt. You know, I, mean, I mean, this you see what I'm saying? Now, again, this is a strong word. This is a strong word, and you won't ever do it unless you trust God. Amen. Amen. The Lord reminded me of something. And um, just I was reading this verse, and I'm like, Father, you know, man, this is, this is tough, you know. And um, I'm saying this. I'm giving this as a testimony, but it's also the Lord. It's, it's, I'm making a statement. I'm making a confession, okay? When I was in the cabinet business, there, I had, um, you know, we were doing a lot of, lot of jobs. A lot, a lot of jobs. And... Um, I had uh, I had two situations where I actually filed suit against somebody, and and it's a long story. It's not edifying. I'm not going to go into it. There was one situation where we had um, 
can I, can I tell you, and, the, and James talks about this, right? It, it, was, it was never what you would call like an average person that tried to stiff me. It was always very wealthy people. And James talks about this, right? Very, very, very wealthy people. And people that, you know, the money they owed me, they could have, they could have, they probably had it in their wallet. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and so one particular situation was a, trying to be careful here because we're on the world wide web but if i was to say this person's name just about every person in this room would know would know this individual um they're a tv personality local for many many years here and and um and you know she they just refused to pay me and i'll just be honest with you i didn't i i i thought what i even said if there's some problem or some issue if we need to renegotiate something we need to fix nope just not paying me So I took them to court and they paid me. And there was another situation. Very wealthy surgeon. And I got involved in this deal. I, it wasn't even my job. You know, if you're in here and you do construction work, you know the last thing in the world you want to do is go behind somebody else that's done, botched a job. And um, there was a, a builder's group that we did a lot of work for and this was a personal friend of his and he's like, man, will you help this guy out? Well, just go see what you can do. And I was like, yes, you know, I will. I'll do it for you, you know. Should have said no. We did all this work, and this guy's like, I ain't paying you. I'm like, listen, all these other folks have taken advantage of you. I've done, I took him to court. The judge made him pay me, okay. Well, there were other situations. And Pam and I prayed about it, and I just said, you know what? I, I just don't have it in me to do again. I'm not. If they can live with it, that's between them and God. Okay. So there was one guy. This is what the Lord reminded me of. There's one guy, and, and back in some really lean years of mine and Pam's life, you know, I can't tell you how many times the devil, because I forgave the man, but he owed me $5,000. $5,000. Um, man, there would be times like, you know, when the kids were in school and tuition was due and stuff, and I'm like, it, you know, it was... It was like, I don't know what, Pam, 14 years ago. And I'd be thinking, man, if that God would pay me up $5,000, you know, it'd start getting on me again, you know. Well, Lord reminded me, I had somebody give me $5,000 last year. And Lord said, so you, you didn't even put that together. And I said, Lord, I'm putting it together now. I said, you remember that guy down in Montevallo that owes me $8,000? <laughs> I forgave him too, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Because I could sure use that eight grand. I mean, are you hear what I'm saying? Anybody here could use an extra eight, eight large in your checking account? I bet you could. Yeah, Amen. All right. So, what's the point? The point is, it's it's just, it, 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 Amen. Be led by the Spirit. I'm just telling you. But see, if you put your trust in the Lord, He'll take care of you. See, even if it looks like you're losing, you're winning if you if you trust in God and put your trust in God. Amen. But, but what, the, what Paul is saying here is that there are, there are some things that are way, way, way more important than you getting your money. I know a lot of folks, that's hard for us to take. But see, this is, this is mercy right here. This is showing extreme mercy right here. Do you see how this fits in with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? Okay, now, praise God, where's the time go? It's funny because... 
some of the classes I teach, there's a clock on the back wall. You saw me look there, and then it wasn't there, and I looked, there's no clock behind me either. Amen. Can I give you one more verse? Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. He says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now again, this is, this is talking about well-rounded love. This is, this is talking about the kind of confidence that will be developed in your life when you let the Holy Spirit teach you to love the way Father loves. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, here is another verse, here's another passage where we see a very important and very powerful connection between faith and love. Notice he's saying that as our love becomes more and more well-rounded, there's that... You can't have well-rounded love without developing mercy in your life, without showing mercy to people, without, without reaching out to people and helping people and doing for people and giving to people, right, who do not have the ability to do, to do anything for you in return, okay? There was a, there was a gentleman, and I, I'd never embarrass him, but um, he um, had... Oh, praise God. He, he struggled with addiction for some years in his life. And, um, and he called me in the middle of the night on a, on a Sunday night. I'll never forget, Sunday night. And uh, he's like, man, I'm just embarrassed to tell you this. He said, but I'm, I've got myself in trouble again. And you're the only person I knew that answered the phone if I called. And I said, where are you? And, you know, he wasn't in one of the best places of town. So I ran Pam home and. Went and got him and went and, uh, you know, got him in a safe place for the night and so forth and so on. Well, that was, I don't know how many years ago that was. And um, wasn't expecting any, listen, I wasn't expecting anything in return at all, okay? Well, the Lord has really blessed and honored this brother and has really prospered this brother. And he was one of the ones over the years that had encouraged me to write a book on addiction recovery. And when I wrote that book, he took it upon himself, and I, I didn't, I never understood it. He would Venmo me $100, and it, it was sporadically, but then it started becoming more frequently. And... Um, and he would just say, you know, buy some books, give them to some people who need them. And, of course, I was just, you know, thinking I'm an imposter trying to write a book anyway, you know. It just really encouraged me and obviously, you know, helped Sister Pam and I fulfill the commitment that we made to the Lord to give the book to anybody that would accept it and, and, and need it. And, and it was a pretty big financial commitment. And so this brother, you know, he, he did that, you know, periodically, I don't know, for what, Pam, maybe about eight or nine months, and, and um, he called me again on a Sunday night. <laughs> this time, from the 
luxury penthouse condo at Sandestin Resort. He said, you never guess where I am. I said, where are you, buddy? He told me. The man that he works for, who's a very wealthy man, has many, many business interests, he said, he sent me down here, put me in this room, sent me down here to represent him at a convention that's being held at this resort. He said, I was sitting here talking to the Lord and just felt led to call you. He said, how far I've come, how far the Lord's brought me, you know, from all those years ago when I called you at a different hotel on a Sunday night. He said, have I ever told you why I send you the $100? I said, well, I mean, I guess, you know, for the books, right? He says, well, yeah, of course. He said, but he said, when you carried me to the other side of town to put me in that nice hotel for the night, he said, it was $100. He said, so, no, you didn't think I'd ever, you know, but amen. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Stand with me. Praise God. Amen. See, in those days here at Heritage, we had class on Sunday morning, service on Sunday morning, class on Sunday afternoon, service on Sunday evening. And um, at the end of that day, this boy was tired. I was ready to get home, get to bed. Got to be up early, back at the foundry Monday morning, right? So when he called, you know, my first thought was, I don't want to go home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? I'm just like you. I mean, I'm just tired and, you know, not again. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Now, I have no, I, none of this is in my notes. Some of the stories I told you last week, some of the ones I'm telling you this week, I'm just, I'm trying to give you, Examples of how the Lord is helping me and how he wants to help all of us become more well-rounded in our love, right? If your best friend calls you on a Saturday and says, hey, I'll buy you pizza if you help me move the refrigerator. Amen. Well, since he helped you move your whole house two years ago, the least you can do is go help him move the refrigerator, right? That's love, Right? But well-rounded love is not just loving people who love you. Amen. Amen. Father, help us have perfected love in our lives. Father, help us to grow in this area. Father, divine appointments as this week um, unfolds before us. Opportunities, Lord, where we can express love in ways that perhaps we've never expressed. Lord, I know you laid it on my heart. Somebody in here just needs to go ahead and trust you and let somebody else cheat them and do them wrong, right? But as we show mercy, Father, the rewards that come and the future benefits and doors that will be opened, and Father, what the God kind of love will do when it starts fueling the God kind of faith in our lives. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for pouring out the love of Jesus in our hearts so that we have the wherewithal to love other people the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this evening. It means so much to me. Um, be blessed. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Sunday. Amen. Uh, good things coming, blessing, peace, protection, provision, all those good things from the Holy Spirit for you and yours. Amen.